This week I'm hot-seating Carmel O'Sullivan. Carmel is a professor in education in the School of Education in Trinity College Dublin and the convener of the Arts Education Research Group, AERG. She is a member of the Expert Advisory Group for Creative Ireland, Pillar 1, and involved in several funded research projects in the areas of social drama and autism spectrum disorder, early childhood arts education, and an innovative work readiness programme for young adults who face significant barriers to entering the workplace, Career Leap. Carmel has particular expertise in the areas of creativity and inclusivity in education, working nationally and internationally with students, academics, practitioners and policymakers from the worlds of education, health, business and community. As a founding member of ADEI, we are particularly excited to welcome her onto the podcast. So as always, pour yourself a cup of tea, sit back, relax and enjoy my chat with Carmel O'Sullivan. So I'm joined here today with Carmel O'Sullivan. Carmel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Pleasure, delighted. So Carmel, can you please tell me your still image, your first memory of drama? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> I, I think it probably has to be the memory of uh, participating in, I'm not even sure what it was, but I was about three or three and a half in the Cork Opera House. Um, I was very, very young and I was at that time a member of the Montforts in, in the city and they were a speech and drama group, very, very uh, well known in Cork circles. And I was thrilled. I joined them when I was very young with my older sister and I was put on the stage and it was some sort of big festival, big jamboree. And all I remember is singing, united we stand, divided we fall, etc." and doing dancing and, um, and taking part. And that is the very earliest memory, to be honest, that I have of participating in drama. And then after that, all of the um, experiences that came, I suppose, with that kind of work, the performance work, but then it was, it was supported with the Monforts through a lot of emphasis on the skill and on the discipline of drama, the art form of drama. So the, I, I found it very, very helpful in terms of formation of uh, the um, your skill set, but your understanding of the craft and the art form of drama. So we practice language work and, and improvisation and role and character. We understood the elements of drama. And I did that right through, right through my whole life until I went into university. So um, started young and, uh, and, and I think it stuck with me. Yeah. And did they do their like exams and like and all of those kind of things as well? We did indeed. We did the whole lot since I was very, very young. I think my first exam, I must have been probably no more than four or five. Um, I, I was very keen and enthusiastic, even though my parents thought I was too young, but I insisted on going with my big sister oh, um, okay. and uh, would not be parted from her. So um, I did all the exams. I did the teacher's diploma and all the qualifications. Um, I did the teacher's diploma, I think, when I was 16 um, loved it, went right through and um, and did the, the associate, the LLM, the whole lot. Um, and I, I just feel it really opened my eyes to what was out there, what drama was about. And, and drama 
in, in many types, I suppose, of guises, you know, that it wasn't just the performance on the big stages. Uh, it was also, as you mentioned, the little smaller feshina, you know, the Irish word, I suppose, for festivals and, and, and poetry recitals and, and improvisations and all of that. So wonderful experience. And was it that you caught the drama Bug Carmel or was it because your sister was really into it that that was, was what you thought was cool? Well, from the young age, it was obviously my sister from the start, but but I'd say literally after as soon as I was kind of old enough. Uh, and there's some really interesting photographs of me as a very, very small child, you know, um, uh, performing and, and participating. But then my sister gave up on it and went into sport very, literally a couple of years later. And uh, I stuck with it all the way through. Oh, that's very interesting. So she she cut the ties. And it's yep. funny that you, you said this. So you went all the way up to college, did your teaching diploma. And I often ask people this question on the, the podcast um, as it's an interest of mine. But how has your experience of the speech and drama model influenced your experience, I suppose, as a process drama teacher? Yeah, very, very much, because I think all the elements are there. We're in the same camp. And this is something that I'm quite passionate about, that, you know, we're not we shouldn't as a discipline, as a field, be segmenting out little components. Well, that's part of that. That's part of something else. We're all working with the art form and the same clay. And uh, for me, the formative experience of speech and drama um, really, as I said, gave me a strong discipline about quality. And that's something I've taken right through um, in my, my own subsequent teaching career when I was educated uh, as a primary school teacher and then on through, you know, my own role as a teacher, educator um, and community practitioner. So that notion of having discipline, of having quality in the work came very much from the speech and drama training um, and education that I had about, you know, the integrity of the elements of theatre, the elements of drama, um, really sharpening and honing your performance, um, paying attention, I suppose, to how you communicate to others in role and, and, and to an audience also. So I've always carried that notion of if you've got um, good mastery over the, over the art form and, and the craft and the discipline of it, that that equates then into high quality engagement, high quality for yourself and for the, you know, the audience, if it's a performance. But I've brought that into everything I do in um, my, my current career around high quality art equals high quality education and vice versa, that we can't have one without the other. So if you've got a very um, poor practice, really, and it's not quite polished, it's not quite, you know, serious and refined, um, it's going to, you know, and you're bringing that into classrooms, it's going to lead to very average educational experiences. And, and uh, I find that, you know, to really have come through the, uh, the training, the discipline of speech and drama. Mm. And then when you're teaching the children, you obviously want that high standard from them as well. And how, how do you how do you marry the two things together when you're using process drama? How do you get how do you embed those performance skills? It's all about it's all about elevating the moment. And it's something I learned from uh, Dorothy Heathcote many, many years ago, and indeed from Cecily O'Neill, Gavin Bolton, David Davis, that it's that notion, but very much coming from Dorothy Heathcote's work um, of elevating the moment. Moments 
are, are significant. Each moment, it's almost like in research, we talk about critical incident. Each moment when you're engaging in, you know, with young people through the art form and using the art form, using voice, using the elements of stillness of theater around you, contrast, um, and that imbues, it creates an atmosphere. It, it makes this important work. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing this every day, day in, day out. Um, even during the week, we had some sessions with students on campus, adults who have intellectual disability and other kind of co-occurring conditions. Um, and you can create the significance of that moment, the meaning of that moment through using your voice, using the elements of, of theatre, through pause, um, you know, that, that dramatic uh, suspense. You build belief in the moment. Um, and I'm using like their, their process drama um, activities and process dramas that will go on. Literally, we, we would just do one story with the current group. We've, we've been doing the same story for the last six, seven weeks. Uh, but it's using some of those elements from the speech and drama training that I had that, that really creates the significant moments that this matters this is meaningful, this is powerful. And, the, and, the, and all of the group feel that, which um, you know, I, I can only attribute to the early training that I had. And I love the use of voice. Mm. So playing with your voice to enhance, to elevate the moment. It's not character voice, but it's just about imbuing that a little bit more than yourself, as Dorothy Hethcote would tell us. Um, and the, the stillness, the pause, the change in pitch, in volume, in tone, all communicates. Those are signifiers. You know, they they communicate meaning and they elevate the status and the authenticity of that particular moment when you're working with, you know, whether it's young children or adults, as, as I was doing this week. So you mentioned there you're working with adults, and that's an area that interests me in terms of process. Um, I've often had people coming to me and saying that they they found it challenging, I suppose, getting those elements of process to work with adults, or maybe people might think that they're not relevant for adults. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your work with process and adults? So per, uh, most of my work, um, you know, currently um, is with adults. Um, for, for a number of years, for the last 20 years, I was working specifically with children from about the ages of five right through to adulthood who had um, a, a autism spectrum disorder. And that kind of focus was, was a little bit different. We can come back to it. The current work I'm doing at the minute um, is, is, is very much um, out in the community. It's community-based. I'm not talking about my university work, which is separate, which obviously is with third-level learners and fourth level learners. But my work in the community currently is with young people. I have two projects going on. And one of the projects is called Career Leap, Local Employment Action Partnership. It's a work readiness program. And it's a partnership between ourselves in the university with local business and with the community. And it's designed to engage and connect and link in with what we call hard to reach, or I suppose more ethically, you would call seldom heard groups. So these are the voices. These are the young people in, a, in a, an inner city area where, where I, I live, and it's close enough to Trinity. And we're engaging with young people there uh, 
who have had considerable barriers in their lives in transitioning either through school from primary to secondary, completing school and transitioning then into further activities, whether that is, is, is employment opportunities or further education and training. And what I've developed is a work readiness modules. There are 10 modules in that which I've partnered with some of the local businesses in the Docklands area, which is a very vibrant area. But we use arts-based and particularly drama-based pedagogy, and it's all process drama. And working with these young uh, people, and predominantly they are, uh, the, a lot of them are male. You'd have probably about a two-thirds male to one-third female bias um, in terms of, 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 of just the, the, the uh, identification. So we often talk about the young men, but there's, there are, there are, there's some representation there of other genders uh, in the mix. But um, these, these, these young people have had challenges in the education system where the education system hasn't quite met their needs. It's not that they don't fit the system because they do, but the system itself has not been able to engage and facilitate and, and include these seldom heard voices in, in the, the quite rigid model of education that we have. So we're finding young people coming out with a very low level of, of, of basic literacy and numeracy, very, very bright young people, but lacking in social skills, lacking in emotional regulation in resilience, lacking communication and all of that. And that creates a very low level um, of, of opportunity for them of skill sets when they're going into employment settings, for example, getting to interview stage, being successful at that stage. And, and then even when they get opportunities, maintaining and transitioning successfully on a career. And that's why we don't call the program, give us a job. We call it career leap, that notion of a career um, and thinking about it. So the drama-based work for them is so powerful because there's um, quite a strong, I suppose, again, um, preference towards kinesthetic learning, towards getting up off the seat and doing things. Now, initially that might strike probably a lot of your listeners as a bit strange and their experiences that such, you know, such young people who have had and who experience a lot of barriers are often reluctant to get up. Um, and whereas we have the opposite experience because we're not using drama games and strategies, we're using a process-based approach. So the meaning is embedded in the activities. We're not asking people to jump through hoops and, and, and suddenly you know, just do this game or do this little activity without it being embedded in, in a bigger frame, which is what we do in process approaches. It connects, there's a logic there. And I've always found in my work in process-based drama or drama and education as I call it, uh, coming from the Heathcote uh, tradition, I've always found that logic, that missing piece, if it's not there for whoever you're working with, whether they're an adult, and these young people are 18 to about 26 years of age in my classes, if that's missing, you're going nowhere. So whether they are a very early childhood setting or whether it's an adult education setting, having the logic, the meaning, connecting those together for the young person so they can see why you're asking them to do it, how it connects with what we're doing. Um, then you're you really you're on you're on a winner, as I call it. You're on, you know, you're the, 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 uh, 
the cards are dealt um, and I find that they are extremely receptive to trying things out, to working with me, to engaging with me. So can you, can you give us like a really practical example of, of what you're doing just to, to kind of see what it is that how you're applying it? I'd love to. I, yeah. To. So what? Yeah. So, so, you know, we've got lots of different attributes that come through the modules in terms of workplace competencies um, and then career skills. So, so say, for example, one of the workplace competencies that's often uh, you know, explored in these types of programs would be around negotiation. And uh, how do you negotiate situations? So in my program, um, in the Career Leap model, we um, have lots of opportunities whereby we would um, set up scenarios and we'll do them quite naturally. So we're using role not character so we're not sketching out this whole particular character but we're in role um and uh so so in the last um uh, what do you call it uh offering of career leap there which which we did uh, a few months ago we had a fabulous example of where we wanted to explore what are the principles of negotiation and we do it kinesthetically um and we 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 had set up a scenario whereby um this particular uh, young person that we had already met. So we kept the same person who had had other challenges in, in, in the drama as it was, um, and they wanted to go to a concert and they had the tickets and, you know, um, I'll ask the young people, what's the most you know popular show at the minute that's going on down in the three arena? Um, and, and so we follow sometimes the same, the same role, the same character in that context. Um, and so they had to negotiate time off. They had to negotiate with their boss. Now, typically, these young people, if I didn't do it in drama, the oral conversation would be quite strongly, you know, they can go and jump. I've got a ticket. I'm out of here. So long. Goodbye. And that's kind of the chair talk. So if they're sitting and you're discussing how would you handle that with your boss, with the employer. But when we bring them to life um, and and we enrich it. So we start with a very simple. Is anyone here willing to you know, pretend to be whoever you know, we give a name? Let's say let, anyone willing to pretend to be Vivian. OK, we'll always get somebody. And then anyone willing to pretend to be the employer? whether that is, you know, um, Simone or it could be whoever, Luca, um, we create the, create the scenario. And then I say, right, what else would you see in that situation? Who else would be around? So we co-create it and we bring it to life. And, um, and then it's very simply added to. So we will use elements of, 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 of forum, of Boal's work to stop, to pause, to replay, uh, to change it, we'll bring in other people. And at one stage, we had the entire group with a photograph on their feet, uh, engaging in this scenario and trying to work through, um, you know, how, how are we going to actually negotiate a successful outcome? So it's, um, it's very, very powerful with them. And what they report afterwards, we've done some research on this, um, and, and it features in the research in the Career Leap report that they found the seeing of it, the living through, being in that moment stayed with them much longer, not just through the, the, the program. The program is quite short. But when they transition into work placement and into employment, 
And um, they attribute that to not just hearing about it, but to physically embodying and being part of and being challenged by those moments. It's the um, learning, isn't it? It's living through. And this is very, very much Gavin Bolton. This is David Davis's work. It's the living through elements that are spontaneous, that are improvised. They're not crafted. Um, they, they respond to the moment and they're, they're, they're challenging and playful. They're fun. Um, and we use a technique, you know, we, we, and I used it a lot in my classes with, uh, you know, children and young people with autism, which, which we, we, we just, you know, it's the pause, pause and rewind. And I see the young people, if, I, I mean, I know this is audio, but I'm now pausing as if it was a remote for a TV, a television. They'll do it once they get used to it. They'll press pause and they'll, so we'll pause and we'll rewind and we'll replay and look at it again from different perspectives and angles. And it's lovely to see them doing that um, and taking ownership themselves. And they'd say, well, that wouldn't happen. We couldn't do that. Why not? Let's see it. So they tend very quickly. Once, once I don't mention the word that this is a drama game, their experience of drama games seems to have been not even. Some like them and some don't, you know, it's mixed. Um, and there's a sense of what is the point of that. You know, this is from their words. In other groups, you wouldn't get that response, but from their words, and I've ran many, many groups now with this particular cohort on the Careerly Programme using drama-based, we use all sorts of activities. We've, we've created um, speed dating scenarios, whereby again, they, it's using drama um, kind of, but, but the, the actual conversation is where they present um, something from, from the workplace. They're given kind of prompts, like there's loads of them, uh, loads of these prompts, but because they're connected meaningfully into what we're learning about at that time, they're not just seen as add-ons or, or playful type of activities. They're actually seen as delivering the, the syllabus, delivering the curriculum, connecting in um, to, to the purpose of the course, but also then I, I bring in business people and I put the business people in role also. Um, and the business people, so business people come in and they think they're going to be talking about PowerPoint and they're going to give a talk about, you know, their particular business. And these are very senior people. We always go for very senior people that have a life journey to tell. And I kind of say, oh my goodness me, that uh, the PowerPoint's not really working today. You'll have to excuse us. Um, is there any chance? And I'll say, do you know what we were talking about earlier? And they say, no, what were you talking about? And I said, well, we were, we were having a chat about different types of leadership or say one of the concepts is critical thinking. Do you want a critical thinker and a creative thinker in the workplace? Like, do you want those skills? Um, and I'll say, right, any chance that you would, you could pretend to be. And we were, you know, and then it's amazing. Um, and they'll all, they'll all join in. Now it's not process drama in the context, I suppose, I've enough, you know, when, when, I might be working with the young people um, who have intellectual disability. Those are adult learners as well at the moment, whereby we're doing the same story and it's more of a classic drama and education approach uh, for weeks on end and complications and twists and turns. Um, but, but for them, it's a phenomenally powerful experience and it's, it's a form of active creative engagement that meaningfully connects to the content and the skills 
um, of what they're learning and they can see how they apply them. So so that's look, that's one example. I, I, I mean, but it's quite different. That's a really helpful example. That's really like provided a bit of a window into that because it's such a niche area of drama as well, you know, and I think one that's very relevant and worthy of drama, you know. Um, so thanks for 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 sharing that, because I, um, I, I was really interested personally in it. Um, so I, I'm very much aware that I could talk to you all day, so we better be careful about that. Um, so <laughs> sure, go on. Be careful about that. So could you tell me your teacher enroll moment, a standout drama moment for you as a practitioner? And that could be uh, in whichever context, because you're in many contexts. Um, so it could be community or within university or anywhere. Oh, my gosh. There have been so, so many standout uh, moments. Um, I'd say one of the examples that was that was really um uh, you know, revealing and powerful in its own right was when I was working with um, children who would have a diagnosis of, of uh, autism spectrum. And I remember we were probably about week 13 into this particular story because we normally only got about two stories done a year. Um, they, they really, really engaged with these characters. And I had been, uh, I decided, let's see what happens if I'm not there in the class. So I had my uh, team who are wonderful, um, uh, the, 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 you know, the support team and drama teachers there with me. And um, so we presented a scenario whereby um, I had unfortunately been captured and I had been, these were quite young children, I had been taken uh, by the other side, the, uh, um, unfortunately, the bad guys, as they, as the children will often refer to them, and we are always trying to deconstruct that mm -hmm. phenomenon, uh, to say that there are multiple perspectives in how we engage, but I, I decided to see how they would respond and how they would react, and so we took the idea of going down to the lower level of the particular building that we were working in, um, not quite a basement, there are windows, but, but it is, you go down steps into the, the lower level of this building. And so we had, we put signs on the walls, do not enter, don't come down here. You have no business if you're here, turn back. So there was all these warning signs as you went down the stairs and it was dark um, and we had the light on and I was at the bottom and I had, my foot against the door. So I was in a room and uh, what do you call it? I could hear them coming down the stairs. Um, so they must have decided that we're going to try and figure out how to get me back. Um, and this again, part of the autism story was that connection piece to see how they connected and felt about Carmel not being here or missing, what could they do, how they could be empowered to, to go and do something about that. But it was just, an incredibly powerful moment. I was at the bottom of the stairs and I could hear this conversation um, with the group coming down with, with uh, some of the teachers assisting them and the depth of engagement, the consideration of what are we going to do if, and there were loads of ifs, if some of the other guys you know, are down there, what will we say? How will we negotiate? How can we rescue her, etc. And the tension was absolutely palpable you could touch it you could feel it the the belief in the moment but um I was powerfully moved behind the door and all I could think of was um 
oh my goodness, uh, th this, you know, there's so much in the moment, they're going to be let down the fact that I'm in the basement. Um, and and uh, this isn't such a glamorous space. But anyway, so I put my foot to the door, I'm inside it. And um, I could hear their voices. And then I kind of made a noise. And I could hear all the drama outside, they were all upset and concerned, who is that? And I said, it's me, it's me. And uh, and I added to that by telling them that they, you know, whoever had me kept uh, under guard has just, they've just gone out. Did you see them? And then there was panic because they all wanted to run back up to escape. Um, and then some of them, I could hear them. Um, and I didn't over control it. I said very little and let them have a decision as to whether they would, they, whether they should all escape and this, again, with the autism condition would be very much we should save ourselves and there's nothing we can do for Carmel. But then you had a debate. I could this went on, I would say, on the stairs for ages, probably 20 minutes of a, up and down and debating and discussions. And some of them are saying, but what happens? We need to get her. This could be our only chance. And just the level of belief and engagement was powerful. And, and occasionally I'd add in, and then they said they were going to come down, they were going to rush the door. That was the best strategy. They were going to push in and get through. They were checking, was it locked with, with all of this? Um, and I was inside the door and, and trying to hold the door back to add to the tension uh, for a moment. And I had all these children pushing, pushing and, and saying, you know, with real warmth and empathy, we're going to get you, don't you worry. We're not we're we're going to get you and all of that. And I was saying, you've got to save yourselves. That's my priority. You need to save yourselves. Um, and and um I'll be okay, etc. You know, but anyway, they they did everything. They were putting notes under the door and this, but eventually I decided I'd give, I'd give way. And I just said, Oh my goodness, I think I've got something, you know, a, a solution. And so we got in and they looked around the space and I had turned out the lights and um and we all they, 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 um, I had managed to wrap my hands in something and they, they rescued me and we got up. But it was just that power. Um, and we had many, many, many such moments. And they were of great significance to the teachers just to have that, that sense of belief in the moment, but also to the young people, the sense of collaboration, of communicating together, of listening to each other's voices, of being in a tight, tight space because these are children that would have sensory issues. It was extremely revealing that the power of the drama moment for them overcame every other concern that they had in that moment. And they were given freedom and license by me and the other to, to leave that I will be okay. Don't you worry, I will be okay. And I didn't want them to be concerned. I said, they are feeding me. Don't worry, I'm okay. You know, I wanted everything to be equal that it wasn't a pressure to get her out. But it was powerful to see lots of the types of skills that we talk about in social readiness and social skill um, interventions that you see with children with autism that are, you know, and adults also that are very strongly advocated. The drama in education and what I call, what I've created over the last 20 years, social drama approach, is, which is a process drama or drama and education approach, it brings all of the areas of, uh, you know, of, of, of need in a sense that these young people need to develop, these children need to develop um, that are perhaps not as comfortable for them as, the, uh, as they might be in other parts of their life and, and their peers and siblings. And it brings them all together 
in a lived, again, lived through moment, an experiential moment. And we have done a very strong study on this to look at the long-term engagement in the sustainability of those learnings, those moments, the power of those moments. And they, there is strong evidence that they have sustained in the lives of those young people. In fact, as, I, as I'm talking to you there, Evine, I'm thinking of them. Um, I've just come across one of the young people who was in that class. It was many, many years ago. And, uh, and he's now going to university and he would have had quite significant challenges with, with his, you know, his diagnosis and, and autism. And he stayed with the course for, for years on end. And it's wonderful to see them developing that kind of leadership, communication skills, all of the social skills that are necessary in one moment. Um, and, the, and, uh, and we had many kind of opportunities to explore that since. But that, that as you asked me there, I was thinking, gosh, but that I always remember. You could feel on your arm the hairs rise, just that, that, that absolute care and, you know, uh, all of the things that people with autism are not supposed to do, are not supposed to be able to do. The drama created an environment of trust, of belief, of engagement, it had its own energy, its own power. Um, and thankfully, as I said, you know, those have sustained as skills into their lives, which is also important. It obviously means that you've had a, a quite a connection with them as well. You've been working with them for a while, it seems. And it's nice to be able to have that rapport with people and, and your students. Building relationships is, is really significant, but equally, as you can see with the adult group, I won't know them until they come in the door. I have them for three weeks. So it's, it's not a lot. I do three weeks and then they do three weeks work placement. So it's a six week program in total. And I only have them, as I said, for a short period. So the building relationships is huge, but I really feel in drama and certainly the, the drama education work that we do, you can build those relationships very, very quickly, much more quickly than I can do when I'm working with other groups, you know, and in, in, in other parts of my life. So if I'm teaching sociology of education or curriculum theory or different, uh, different other, other areas in the university, as, as, as opposed to teaching my drama work or if I'm giving seminars, I notice that when we're able to involve the art form and we're able to involve people actively, we're moving from passive voice to active voice. Um, we really find those relationships built very, very quickly. Um, we, we did uh, a, a, an example for, you know, the culture night that we have in Ireland every year um, in September. It's going back a few years and I was asked to do something uh, for Culture Night in Rossborough House, where I was I was supporting and, and involved in supporting that organization, um, the Alfred Bite Foundation. And I said, do you know what? I see the culture, these Culture Night events, and they're never really focusing in on the arts and inclusion. I don't see enough of it on the on the, the schedule. Like it's a huge program, a phenomenally uh, rich program, but it's a lot of activities. For, for groups that maybe don't present with additional needs, you know, in that inclusive sense. So we did a once-off drama and we repeated it that night, I think two or three times with complete strangers, all of whom had autism. We had no idea of who was going to come into us, into that room. And um, myself and, and, and a few of my drama teachers, Leslie and Elaine, um, uh, were there and uh, it was powerful and we did one off very nice 
again, a drama and education program around, we, we had it called the Green Forest. And we did an hour, an hour and a half of complete strangers. And it, again, that connection was built early on, that sense using your voice. This is the Heathcote work to bring in the, 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 you know, the moment, having our little landscapes there, using a few props. This is the speech and drama coming in, having cloth, having materials, having masking tape to space, you know, create our, our, our environment, bringing them straight in, straight in to the moment. It's like Heathcote used to talk to us about the black box. You know, it's it's gets get all that out of the way. She used to tell us, get it out of the way, get the high drama out of the way, and then you can focus on the depth. So we presented, you know, straight in what's going on in this story, and and this is what's happened up to now. They they didn't experience it, but we need, and and so we built up their characters, their roles rather quickly over space of an hour and a half, and at the end of it. I had some of those young people, they were like, they were only children from about the ages of six, seven, up to about nine or 10. Um, and the first group, they were very, very connected. You know, they were, they were leaning up against you, like I would see in some of my other autism classes, when the bond is there. At the end of it, I had one young person, you know, trying to lie across your lap because we were sitting on the floor. Now we're obviously very, very much aware of health and safety and child protection issues, etc. But that was their automatic you know, leaning. And we had the parents, of course, present uh, very much from, from a health and safety and a child protection uh, mandate. But it was that, that so that it can happen really quickly when you're using the elements of theatre, you're using the moment, your voice, and also really, really strong planning, knowing when to bring them into the moment, knowing what tasks to ask of them, how to engage them. Um, I think those are really important skills. So you're right, relationships are at the center of drama, but they can be built very quickly over in a flash. Yeah, well, well, you know, in an hour or two, very quickly. Yeah, it's very interesting. because I've often had, um, you know, talk have conversations with other teachers and I say to them you know my drama students and I, the things I tell them that I do there and they're like oh gosh but they're your students you know and I'm like yeah but the the, the students in your drama class are very different to the students in your regular primary school class yeah. you know that, that kind of way it is it's a it's a it's a, a magical connection I think you know um and one that we have to be very careful with as well and one that we have to protect and 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 know how important drama is to these young people well it's one that we want to share because to be fair we need this to be everyone's experience you know what I mean like that that's my drive in life I've given all my career all my life to practice and whether that is in schools in university settings in the community settings um and supporting students. I've supervised well over, I'd say, 300 plus, maybe more master students, a huge number of doctoral students. I really, and, and CPD, I really feel the value in us sharing these practices so that they do enrich everyone's class to some degree, um, that we're sharing, that we're not keeping this, you know, under a, a kind of a tiny, tiny little light, a little focus under our own, our own little cloak or bushel, but that we are sharing it because there, it does create different energies, different moments in the classroom, different opportunities um, to have that, 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 that kind of, you know, uh, uh, experience and it enriches the learning. If you link that then into your cross-curricular, into your, you know, a lot of my work has been around specific areas. So the career leap, 
we're looking at a particular syllabus. I've got to, you know, I've got to make sure the students are prepared in that, that kind of work readiness literature. In the autism, it's very much around the social engagement uh, with, the, with the young people with intellectual disability. It's very much around uh, literacy, writing, creative writing skills. So I try to bring the syllabus and what it is that we're, you know, what experiences are appropriate or relevant to that cohort, what is the content, um, and then, as you call it, the magic. Let's let's. But well, then let's bring the the. I suppose the pedagogy. I mean, I wouldn't call it magic in my sense. I don't think I have any magic. But um, uh, I'd like to, you know, I bring the 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 pedagogy into the experiences, and I'd love. Oh my gosh, be my dying wish to see it more and more practiced for all all young people, particularly children and young people, and even adults for sure. So, Carmel, you've mentioned there um, all the people that you've supervised and helped. Um, I know I was in your course as a student. Um, so I'm going to ask you the next question, which is the role, um, the role on the wall and influence, an influential person that has shaped your practice. Definitely, if I was answering this question, it would have to be you. Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely would. So now I'm dying to know who is your influential person. I may have a few guesses. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, I don't know that I've ever, ever helped anyone. Um, I think they've been of more help to me. Um, but but in, in, in a straight answer, I think it, it's absolutely Dorothy Heathcote. So um, you asked me at the start about my speech and drama work. When I went into teacher education in the 80s, you know, it's a long time ago in the 1980s, I met the work of Dorothy Heathcote. Um, and I met the work of Drama Live, which is the, the you know, the, the forerunner of our association in, 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 in Ireland in drama. And um, I met those characters there and it was amazing. I could see the connections uh, between what I had come from as a kind of more speech and drama performance world, improvisation, yes, but not to the same extent. So Heathcote's work has been absolutely transformative for my own sense of who I am as a person, my values, um, not just professionally, but personally. And it's something that I'm so, so grateful to, that um, that sense of, of collaboration, that sense of working hard, that discipline. I've always seen that in Heathcote, in her work and in her personal life, in everything she does, the value of, of, of that she places on people, on materials around her, nothing is wasted. You know, she was miles ahead of us, miles ahead of her time. I mean, at least 50, 60 years ahead of her time on reuse, you know, that notion of recycle, upcycle, nothing is wasted in her life, um, in her career. And she brings her personal interests into her professional interest. And it becomes a very um, integrated, you know, whole. You're, you're, you're not seeing two sides to one person. Um, and I found that as well with the with, the, with the, the training that I had, as I spoke to you about speech and drama, that discipline, that sense of working together, working as a team, creating that moment on stage, um, that, that notion of listening to other voices. And, and that's where, in a way, I think Hethcott herself talks about that in her career. Um, and I, I responded to that because I had seen those values that, I you know, you can have a very strong personality yourself. But you learn more from listening. And I mean, you know, you've been very, very 
kind there in your comments and I appreciate them because uh, you know your own work as a student was 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 really powerful itself in your own dissertation and, and your own research is very strong but I learn from each and every and that's that's a, that's a truth and a fact and uh, um, I always like to teach as part of a team so and, and that's something I took from Hethcott from watching her teach, from having the privilege of actually seeing her in action. Um, and I also see that as well from, uh, from David Davis, who I was highly privileged. I mean, David really brought the early Heathcote work then into focus through Gavin Bolton's work, through his own scholarship, which is quite powerful in itself. And then I look at Cecily O'Neill's work as equally um, having, having the same formative influence on my career, on my work. You know, her real emphasis on process drama, her connection of the link between the world of theatre explicitly, it was always implicit in Heathcote's work, always implicit in her life, right up literally until she was quite poorly at the very end of her life, God rest her, you know, she was still doing the local performance, the play, she was still directing, um, literally not very long before, unfortunately, you know, we lost her and she passed away, um, you know, may she rest in peace, but that, that was part of her life, but it was never put to the fore. Um, you know, Cecily O'Neill puts that out there for us and, and, and points out how we can learn and, and, and uh, how we work, you know, together in those in those experiences. But for me, the, the notion of the team teaching, I never teach without a team. I love it. And that, those are my students. So when I talked about the work with, with, with the uh, young people with autism, they're, they're graduate students of mine, master students, I will be working in two weeks time on the next version then you know the next offering of career leap and we were planning today and i will be bringing again uh five or six of the current master students on the on the MED drama program they'll be coming with me and uh if they wish they don't have to but they're all saying yes yes and they'll be working alongside and co-teaching so they are as powerful influencers as any of the others the others i've learned a lot practically but theoretically I'm a very strong proponent of theory into practice, practice into theory, that practical notion. Um, and so I will learn as much from engagement with the young people we'll be working with, with my students who will be there co-teaching with me. And uh, we reflect, I, I always reflect after every single learning opportunity. We reflect with the participants themselves, then with the teaching team, we take time afterwards um, and we're doing the same at the moment. We've got some doctoral students as well working and some, some master students with the programme for young, young adults with intellectual disability who are in the university within our School of Education. They're taking a, you know, a two-year programme with us um, in, in the Trinity Centre for Persons with Intellectual Disability. And that's a team effort. Um, and we work collaboratively. So those values, those skills, go right back, I guess, uh, you know, Avine, to the early discipline that I learned and how I learned to collaborate and to listen, to hear other voices, that multiple point of views in the speech and drama world. Mm. And I think in drama, there's just so much riding upon feedback. You know, it's all about that two-way interaction, isn't it? Um, and, and those yeah. peer learning opportunities that you're, you're giving to your students are just uh, priceless, really, for them, you know. Um, and, and that I'm and I'm taking from them like I listen and for you this I is love it. it I listen and I hear you know what we could do that we could have done that we could have changed that 
and then we say right for the next day so it's it's really 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 valuable so we've talked a lot about the things that have gone um right and things that have gone well and uh, successful occasions uh but I, I love this question uh what's your conscience ali where did it all go wrong well, it goes wrong regularly, often and, and routinely um, in some ways. You know, sometimes the going wrong is, is we all know that it brings you down other pathways and, and there can be rich experiences themselves. But I'll give you a very concrete example of about two weeks ago. It's not so much it went wrong, but it was the, um, the, out, the outcome of it was quite powerful. And it was something that I failed to factor in early on. And this is the, the class that we're working with our, our, our lovely students um, in, in, in TCPID. Um, you know, they're very strongly engaged with, with the drama class. They're very committed to it. And um, in one class, we were in the middle of a particular uh, um, uh, storyline that, that we were doing with a character. Um, and it was, uh, we're doing a story around, uh, it was like a murder story where somebody um, had been accused of doing a murder 20 years ago and that character had never spoken, had never communicated. So again, you can see some of the autism traits potentially coming in there um, working, you know, in, the, in that sense that was picked up actually interestingly by our group and they talked about having inclusive uh, approaches in the courtroom. So we presented the story, we built the story around this particular character. He'd been in prison and now he was up for parole. So he had the opportunity of being released. And we, as the prison board, all of these young people were enrolled as, as, as the prison you know, parole board were um, considering that case and whether we felt it was safe to release this person who was now, you know, uh, he had been he had been brought in at 19 and who was now in his late 30s. Was he fit for release? So it's quite a complex story. Lots of layers there that were, were going on. But anyway, so it was going beautifully. Um, and then in the middle of it all, we had one young person um, just hit another young person on the back of the head. Not not hugely aggressively, but. Uh, reaching out and connecting and knocking that other young, that other student's cap. He was wearing, a, you know, what they call like a beanie. I don't know what the word is, but like a little woolen cap that is uh, important to him. It's an important part of, 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 of his, uh, you know, identity and how he presents himself to the world. So this, the, the, the first student who knocked it off, that resulted then in a fairly instant change in mood and atmosphere and was quite a physical moment um and uh you know the the, the poor student whose hat had been knocked off uh actually punched reached out and and now when i say punch you know it wasn't it wasn't of the i'm going to fall down but it was still an aggressive act and he connected with the other guy in the chest so my immediate response and always will be is shut it down straight away I need to uh, deal with this immediately, but I shut it down in a particular way that doesn't distract from the entire moment for everyone else. So I said, oh my goodness, I need to speak with both of you immediately. My tone of voice drops down. My tone drops down to communicate the, the seriousness of this moment. And I need to see you right now 
We need to discuss what is going on. So I brought them outside and then I looked to my colleagues. This is the beauty of having a team and said, okay, guys, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to to continue on. And this uh, this, uh, you know, so they carried on. um, But we had a chat outside and I said, right out of role, because I had been in role um, in that in that moment. And I had to say, right, freeze, stop the story. When I was in the classroom, everyone stop. We're going to pause. I dealt with it immediately. I said, I need to see you guys out. And then we let them continue inside. We took it outside. And then the, the, the strong voice that I had inside was softened. So when I come out, I'm now back to Carmel. You know, I'm back to Carmel. And I'm, 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 I'm saying, right, oh, my goodness me. What is going on there? What has happened? That behavior has no place in any classroom in this university, whether that's drama or in any class that you're doing your science, whatever it is, no place. And they straight away. So we had I won't go through it, but we had a conversation. They were apologetic. But what it was, was it came back to an incident that had happened before the class and I had failed to read accurately the mood, the atmosphere, the tensions, that when we reflected later with my teaching team were there. The comments, the tensions were there um, and I hadn't picked them up. And that's to do with being too busy, being too preoccupied and not being aware of the wider landscape around you, of these little signifiers these you know they're 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 always little little uh, indicators that things aren't quite right and that we needed to discuss so there was baggage coming from an earlier interaction that had happened between these two young people and that came out that came out in that moment and that's really important if you're working with students with additional needs with special educational needs um that and that could happen with my young adults also, you know, who, who would have significant barriers in their life. They may not have educational uh, disability, but they will have quite significant socioeconomic and other barriers that they face in their lives. And challenges come in. They bring them into that environment. And drama is a very lived through experience. So you may not experience that in a class where the children or the young people or the adults are seated you know, you mightn't have that experience because there's control in that scenario. But when you take it up and you're standing, we're interacting, there's, then things can spill over from, from an earlier moment. So we came back in after maybe seven, eight minutes. We came back in and I just said to the group, I said, I'm so sorry to disturb you all because they had worked away. And I said, those moments are really important. We need to come back to it at the end of our session. And they all said, oh, yes, absolutely. And we did that. So we finished the work and then we came back to it at the end. And we had, you know, that opportunity as a whole group to reflect on what had happened and and the appropriateness of that moment. And that brought up the whole situation that had come forwards from another interaction before our class. We do a two hour class with these students, but they're coming from another group um, and that hadn't been processed Uh, And I had failed to pick it up. And then when I reflected with my own, as you say, you know, my my own drama master's students afterwards, it was very clear to me that there were signifiers there that I should have picked up the tension and the voice. There were comments, et cetera, and then dealt with it. So so there 
there there are examples, you know, and that that's something that's that uh, I think teachers are often worried about. What happens if? And there are key principles there to deal with it. And it's about dealing with the moment and not in a way detracting from the entire experience. Because there's when I have the chat with those two students outside, I could see what was going on there. I could see why that incident had happened. They acknowledged that it was completely wrong, etc. And what I've seen, because I didn't come down like a, you know, like a heavy, you know, authoritarian voice, because I was listening and I was saying, explain, all right, aha, aha, I can see, I can see that what you're saying still gives me a little bit of a challenge. What do we do about that? Because you know, we're adults. This is a setting. We can't, we, do, we don't tolerate that. That's not a behavior I'm familiar with that I would be comfortable. We can't have it. And they were giving me the solutions of how they would be able to manage their anger in the future and process it and deal with each other. And that's what we brought in then. I said, I'm very pleased to say to the, with the whole group conversation, because they were quite used to, and this is an unfortunate legacy of, of working um, in, in environments where, the, where, where our learners who have additional needs and intellectual disability, they can be talked down to, they can be policed, their behaviours can be over-regulated and monitored, and they don't have opportunity to actually self-regulate and, 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 and have their voice heard in a way um, practically. So they were quite grateful at the end when we had the debriefing together to see that I wasn't coming at it in a patronizing or in a in a authoritarian either either way would be inappropriate i was still the same carmel with the same voice and the same passion and enthusiasm as i was you know uh, both during the drama and when i had to deal with it um, and 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 cause you know like call it suspend it and then come back into it um that that integrity i think is really important in when things go wrong and that's just an example of a behavior issue rather than the planning, but it is a failure of my being with it. What uh, Coonan and Glasser in the good old days and the literature around, uh, around behavior management, classroom organization, Coonan oh and Glasser's theory of with it, with itness, yes. being yeah. with it is really relevant for drama so that you can pick up the direction of where we're going. And that's an example of when I didn't pick it up. And I'm really glad you used that example because I'm always, that's what people always ask. Like, well, what if this happens? Do you come out? Do you do this? You know, and that's, it's a good example of just saying, right, well, the the, the integrity of the piece is still important. We're going to put that on on ice there and we're going to deal with this and then come back. Yep. And and interact, interact with them as responsible people, you know, whether they are five, you know, or 14 or they're like, these guys are young. These are young, young people. They're well into their twenties and, 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 uh, and some of them a little bit older. So, so I'd love to thought track you now, um, Carmel, because you've mentioned many things there, including, um, you know, being talked down to and all of these things that are, are quite close to your heart. Um, but what is the, the future of drama? What, what should be next? And what do you think will actually be next? Oh, gosh, that's a very good question. Um, wow. What should be next? I mean, I think for, for, for somebody like me, I'm really keen that there, you know, um, we, we do two things that uh, in our mainstreaming of our practices, you know, in our sharing, that we don't just keep it all under our own little 
uh, bushel that uh, we in that mainstreaming of, of of drama that we actually unpack simply and clearly what we mean by our practices, what we mean by drama, what we mean by drama in education. Um, because there's still, for those who are perhaps on the, the periphery or not at all involved in, in this particular way of working, um, drama for them is always a single entity. And when we're trying to define and describe practices that may not neatly fit under that entity, which drama quite often is performance work, you know, it's, 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 uh, uh, whether that is, is in, 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 uh, in a theater or in, a, in, 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 a, you know, in a school or in the classroom that we're actually trying things out where we're acting. It's that it's often associated with acting for, for a lot of teachers, a lot of, of, of young people and children themselves. So when you say drama, children get, yay, we're going to act, we're going to perform. Um, it's the going into role. It's the getting into that moment that they love, being other than yourself, standing in the shoes of someone else. And I think what happens is that um, we don't always communicate well enough that we as a discipline, as a field, we can accommodate many layers of what drama means because even when I just talked to you there, I said it's performance, it's acting, and then I brought it down. It's it's universal. It's standing in the shoes of another. So they're not disparate. They're not separate concepts. They're the same. And like until we actually get that sense of comfort, that sense of confidence in ourselves, in being confident and comfortable in that space to to understand how these all interconnect uh, that they're not actually different that it is that continuum of practice and that we don't frighten other people outside when we have our own debates and arguments and uh, you know uh, and, and 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 discussions and um, one of my phd former phd students uh, kate mccarthy who um is working in waterford um Institute of Technology, or now is, is its new technological university. She did her, her doctoral study under my supervision on this very topic, and very, very rich findings came out of it. Uh, but to me, that, that kind of blurring, that confusion has to, that, that has to happen, that should happen, and that we're all able to wear a bigger cloak, a, quite a comfortable cloak that carries lots of different types of practices that neatly do connect and fit into the broader concept of drama um, and, 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 and that we're quite comfortable ourselves in that, you know, in that, in that, uh, that, that domain. So I'd love to see that because I think that will help us to mainstream our practices. It, um, it will help us to challenge what's coming down the line um, around creativity um, and that, that is a slight concern for me, um, that creativity worldwide. I, I've, I've just finished a little report on the um, kind of some of the findings to do with what happened in phase one of the Creative Ireland five-year programme, looking at a number of reports, uh, almost like a kind of a, a meta synthesis or meta review over lo looking to see what did we learn. Um, and what comes out from, you know, from that study um, is is very much the sense that creativity is 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 popular at the minute. It's uh, it's taking over. It's it's taking over. I think a lot of the landscape because it's a broader concept, and people are more comfortable with that concept. 
it creates challenges but and tensions for us in arts education but not i don't see them as difficulties i see them as opportunities again because of the comfort level that 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 i feel that we connect of course artistic uh, ability is not the same as having a creative ability it's not the same at all but they're not they're not, you know, completely not separate. worlds apart. No, no. Yeah. And it's, it's being like that. Com- they're all under the same mantle, you know, they're. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's being comfortable in that space. So so my, my, my worry is what I think is going to happen is that we're going to see potentially a dilution, a watering down of some of our drama practices in the name of more diverse notions around creative practices. And I think we need to be mindful of that. Um, and careful of that space that we do maintain the integrity of our drama practices whilst also not being afraid you know to embrace creativity it's it's a fundamental and core part of, of what we you know what we do um, in our practices as as arts uh, practitioners uh, so there's going to be a tension there that I think needs to be worked out in our discipline, uh, in our field. And I think it's one that we feel ourselves more than anyone else imposing on us um, and just getting that that kind of confidence. It's almost like a maturity in our skin, in our own field, that maturity around what we do and how we do it and how so it connects true. outwards, how it connects outwards is really important. That it's not in like yeah I think it's a constant fear of being in jeopardy you know it's kind of like yeah a protection yeah. type thing you know yeah um, and there's no need there's no need at all because people are very keen to embrace what we do you know and 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 we don't need to hide it away we don't need to hide our little light away you know whether that is in 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 other disciplines in medicine whether it's in in pedagogy and teacher education whether it's like i'm working in in you know the the work readiness area which is an employment kind of it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't in 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 in, in infringe us uh, we need to be confident to share there are yeah. so many people out there that say i'd love to understand more about what you do and so it's about us finding the language the discourse to be able to communicate that in a meaningful way i think um both internally in our own community and externally in other communities so that that notion of mainstreaming our practices i think is what should happen which i would love to see um not just in the formal education, the non-formal education sectors, but also in wider society, because it has a role in, you know, uh, dementia. My, my poor father, God rest him, we lost him this year. And um, I was uh, very, you know, very close with, 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 with him. Uh, but the playfulness, I used to do drama with, with my poor dad um, at home. And, um, uh, you know, it, it was right up until, you know, he passed away there in January of this year. But, but uh, we used to have these little moments in role and character and all of that um, that were really, really enjoyable and really significant for him as, you know, as a, as a person with dementia who's moving in a different direction. Sometimes, I mean, he was with us a lot of the time, but sometimes um, and it had a power there. And I know many of my students have researched this. So it's that sharing of practices, that meeting of of bringing the disciplines together. So interdisciplinarity is really important. I know we talk about transdisciplinarity being on an equal footing, but I take that as a a given. 
So I'm going to call it interdisciplinary work is really significant um, that we're, we're, we're sharing. So Carmel, this brings us to our quick fire round. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> so um, this is our spotlight on. Um, so this is a tricky, I always think this is a tricky question. What is your yeah. why? Why do you do it? Why should anyone do it? And can you sum that up in three sentences? Oh my gosh. I was going to say, as if one such as I who loves talking could, to, could say anything in three sentences. So, so the why, I think the, 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 the why for me um, would be around just this is an inclusive, this is an empowering pedagogy. This is a way of working and of being that encompasses everything to do with equality, diversity and inclusion. And it's of its time. It's coming now, finally, to meet society. Society is ready to meet drama and drama in education, not just in a aesthetic sense, in the sense where it was enjoyment, but now in a meaningful sense. And it's almost come full circle to go back 30, 40,000 years ago when people communicated on caves, their drawings, their images, you know, right through history, that art was a fundamental part of who they are, how they express that. So to me, that's the why of it. It goes to the, the core and the center of, of, you know, my voice, my identity, my value system um, is, is, is informed and shaped by this. So, uh, Apologies, much longer than three sentences. That wasn't but... three sentences, Carmel. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think that's a really good point that you made there. It really resonated with me where you said that society has come to meet us now. At, at, here's me, us. Um, you know, at, at drama at this point, and I think that's such a good, uh, a good um, summing up of it. So, one drama strategy or technique that you always go to. So I always use teacher in role and I'm always using role. So being in role. And that is coming very much from David Davis. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working with David at, at points as well. And he's incredible. He's incredible. Absolutely. Um, First class. Phenomenal. So your last quick fire question. One piece of advice for other drama practitioners. Okay, I think what I would say, and it may not be a popular thing to say, is I really value study. Finding out more, and study can be in any shape. It doesn't have to be formal, you know, certified study, but finding things out, why they happen, how they happen, how people are, um, is really significant. So it brings you to a greater knowledge base. Um, it's more respectful of your learners. So when you're going in there, you are well prepared. Uh, so you know the needs, you understand the context, you understand the environment, and then you can bring all of the best skills, evidence, knowledge to that setting. It really helps ensure that the, you know, the, the, the resultant engagement in drama, the resultant connection with the learners is and has as best a chance as possible to be high quality, to be meaningful for them, to be targeted and connected to their needs, uh, whatever they are, you know, at that time. So whether that is from uh, enjoyment and aesthetic pleasure, or, you know, it can be any level, but being aware of that will come 
from study, from knowing your craft and, and having engaged with it. I'm a great believer in theory into practice and practice back into theory and that kind of synergistic relationship, what we call practical, connecting one into the other is really important. I regularly get asked, and I was asked literally yesterday by one of my uh, master's students, a student from abroad um, who's here studying with us, a wonderful, wonderful student saying, you know, I just want to know what you know. I just want to be able to do what you do. And, uh, you know, I, I think she, she, she was meaning it in a positive compliment, but I'm sure very undeserved in my case. But it was more, my answer to her was very much, you know, that is coming from continuous professional development, continuous study, continuous engagement with the field. So whether that is through the theoretical aspects and it's not just one or the other and practice putting it into practice with your, your groups, whoever those groups, you know, whoever you are lucky enough to be invited into their world, into their community and sustained engagement. So CPD to me, for people who are keen as drama practitioners, engaging. And there's a lot, a lot out there. There's a lot of support through reading, through study, through attending events. And, and equally, I think, you know, uh, even through, you, the organization, you know, that you represent, ADEI, and the, and the many other ones that are there, that sharing, that engaging in other people's learning, your own learning, continuously is really, really, really uh, key to success. It has been in my experience. I, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but that, 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 that's been my kind of, uh, uh, you know, go-to uh, go success uh, criterion. Carmel. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today and getting an insight into your world and uh, all the experiences that you've had. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Uh, a real pleasure. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always lovely to share with somebody else who, who's interested in the field. So apologies for, for, for overdoing it. But, but uh, you know, I've, I've really been privileged to have had the interactions over the years with the students, with practitioners, with other people. It's, it's been a, a rich, busy, but very rich, and I wouldn't have it uh, any other way, experience. Thanks, Carol. Thank you for listening to Hot Seating, the drama education podcast, brought to you by the Association of Drama in Education in Ireland. If you enjoyed the conversation today, please tell a friend or two, like and subscribe to hear further conversations. Thank you.